On June 25, 19-year-old Howard University sophomore and Louisville native Sean Ali Waddell stood on the steps of the Kentucky State Capitol in Frankfurt and gave a rousing speech that was reminiscent of his cousin, Muhammad Ali. Ali Waddell called on Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron to do the right thing and land on the right side of history for his part in the investigation and grand jury proceedings for the killing of Breonna Taylor at the hands of the Louisville Metro Police Department on March 13th. Daniel Cameron. Daniel Cameron. Let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> Don't you be on the wrong side of history. Don't you stay on the wrong side of history. When your black mama and grandmama and family sent you to school to do something, it was for your community. So don't let a few little cheap friendships and concessions from your 400-year-old slave master make you bow down. When you talk by a man like Ali, you can stand like a man. No justice! No justice! 90 days later, a grand jury failed to indict any of the three officers involved in the killing of Breonna Taylor on charges related to her death. Instead, one of the officers, Brett Hankinson, who was subsequently fired from the force, was indicted on three counts of wanton endangerment for firing shots into an adjacent apartment. Daniel Cameron made it crystal clear on which side he has chosen to stand. On Saturday, September 26th, Three days after the grand jury decision, a 23-year-old black man dressed in a gray Bob Marley One Love t-shirt and gray sweatpants with a tan pistol peeking out from just above the waistband was pacing back and forth in front of a group of frontline protesters in the courtyard of the First Unitarian Church in downtown Louisville, Kentucky. It's a fix-it, I-S-S-A, space by F-I-X-I-T. I'm 23 years old, Louisville, Kentucky resident, born and raised. He was going over the rules, roles, and responsibilities for that evening's march. The frontline protesters were assembled in a semicircle with their eyes and ears fixed on Fix-It. After the city instituted a 9 p.m. curfew on the night of the grand jury decision, the church offered their facilities as a safe place for protesters to come and also as a place to stay for the night to avoid arrests for breaking curfew. Flecks of gray hair were sprouting from Fix-It's closely cropped afro matching the color of his eyes. From what I would eventually learn about him, this could be the result of the wisdom that he has garnered over the years that belie his age, or the stress he has endured in his young life, or most likely from some combination thereof. This is the story of two young black men who on the surface seem completely different. One is a third generation college student, and the other is a laid off restaurant worker and video game live streamer who is a member of a street gang. But looks and perceptions can be deceiving. We are painfully aware of the fact that the police may not be able to differentiate between these two young black men in any meaningful way when it comes to a life or death situation. However, in everyday encounters, many of us make judgments about young men like them based upon what we see and what we know and don't know. When I got a chance to spend time with each of them, to try to understand them within the context of how they were dealing with the plight of our city, I quickly found out that they were much more alike than different. Sean Ali Waddell and Issa Fixit 
come from different neighborhoods in West Louisville and different backgrounds, but their passion and purpose are the same. They both are fighting for a better future for black people in their city. Both are rappers. One sees his art form as the lane he will use to propel his passion towards his purpose, while the other has put his artistry on pause for the cause. Join me as I take you on a journey behind the scenes to get to know these two young men from my hometown, Louisville, Kentucky. This is Word Around the Campfire, audio stories from educated guests. I am your host, Andre Kimo Stone Guest. At the beginning of the year, Sean was enjoying the second semester of his freshman year at Howard University. One day, he began to think about the plight of young black men and boys back home. My focus was how do we protect particularly young black men? It was like, not even men, boys, 14, 15, 16, 17, dead every day. My focus pertaining to Louisville when I was at Howard was, what can I do to, to help this? And you know, what, what can I do to change this? But besides my focus on Louisville, I was just looking at um, my, my work and my life there, my, my right. friends there, my, my new experience in college, all of that. In March, the coronavirus crisis engulfed the entire world. Sean had to cut his time on campus short and return home. As fate would have it, he returned to Louisville on the same day that Breonna Taylor was killed. When he got home, he began to put his focus on some of the plans he was thinking about earlier in the year when he was at school. I was still trying to work on this 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 uh, initiative or this effort that was going to be a mixture of of from from workshops to the concerts that I had with some of the artists. We were even going to work on um, collaborate and produce music that correlates with the theme, you know, uplift. Uh, I was still trying to work on that. Then I remember the Ahmaud Arbery situation and George Floyd. Then the whole mood shifted. Then there's protests in Louisville and everything. I remember seeing uh, the video of Ahmaud Arbery and naturally, you know, I used to wake up and, and run just to stay in shape. And after looking at that video and something about just looking at that and seeing that street that he was running on that looked somewhat similar to a street that I run, I was almost, I just kind of scared to run. So, you know, after, after that, I was like, okay, I need to focus on, on this moment. There's, there's a lot going on. The whole world is, is involved. What can I do from there? Meanwhile, Fix It and his younger brother. I'm B-Yola, solid B-Y-O-L-A, because can't nobody B-Yola. That's, that's the motto. I'm from Louisville. Well, I'm not from Louisville, but I basically I'm from Louisville. I'm 20, fresh 20. We're both on the grind trying to make it as artists. Um, honestly, me and bro are both artists, so we was really focused on our music tip at the time, you know, doing a lot of writing, working a whole lot. Uh, before the COVID hit, you know, we was both working at a restaurant full time and, uh, you know, just trying to stay focused, stay afloat, you know what I mean? And living all my life, really, you know what I mean? And uh, COVID, the signs of COVID was coming in, the, the news, and, and it finally hit us in the city quarantine. Three days after George Floyd was murdered by the Minneapolis police, all hell broke loose in the city. People began to gather downtown to protest. Fix It was one of the ones to join in. He's been there since day one, May 28th. My thing was, coming out here was, originally, 
it was the frustration off of the back of everything that was going on in that specific moment. Like everything hit at the same time. And another thing is like I've always been like a pro proactive, uh, pro black. Not I won't even want to say pro black because they look at that as like terrorism nowadays. But like I just always been like self conscious and like just just strong and passionate. And to see that it, it was taking place at home, there's no way in hell I wasn't gonna be a part of that. You know, me, me and my granny was in Ferguson and and, and, and shit like that. Like this, this shit, I feel like everybody should have an obligation to, to be a part of what we got going on. Whether you your city, you you migrate to a city that's protesting, like whatever. Everybody needs to be taking part of this. While Fix It was on the front line of the protest, his little brother Yola initially took a different route. I'm gonna keep it real. At first, before I began actually protesting. I was, I'm not going to say looting, but I was around the sources. Mm -hmm. So my focus wasn't really protesting. It was getting what I could and getting away until my brother actually brought me to the protest and said, this is where you need to be. And uh, ever since then, it's like, it's out there, it's a family thing. It's more than a movement. It's we got each other's back. As two young black men, Fix It and Yola, know that it doesn't matter if you are a law-abiding citizen with a clean record. Your fingerprints don't have to be in the system in order for you to be in the criminal justice system. Your skin color makes you a target by the system. The harsh reality of black skin making you a target was uncovered to Sean at the age of 12. I'm kind of used to it. Like, the shock was in 2012 when I was young and I was 12 and Trayvon Martin is, is killed and my dad is um, engrossed in everything. I'm, I'm telling him what I'm, what I'm hearing the white kids say at school, oh, don't worry about it, the case will work it out, we'll, we'll see. And then there's no justice for that. And I, I change at once. And then there's Mike Brown. So I'm kind of used to it right. not happening in our favor. So your but, innocence was taken from you at 12 with Trayvon. Is that the jumping off oh, point yeah. for you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The long list of names of black people who have lost their lives at the hands of the police or in other extrajudicial killings has taken a toll on the hearts, minds, and souls of young black people in this country. The fact that there were no charges brought forth by the grand jury for the police officers responsible for the death of Breonna Taylor only adds to that toll. But even in the midst of it, these two young black men, Ali Waddell and Fixit, have a steely resolve that won't allow them to quit. Even though Ali Waddell sees lots of anger, lots of frustration, lots of hurt, lots of tears, this year has taught him an invaluable lesson. I've grown in these last months, finding myself, finding my lane, um, and what people do, what, what roles are. Everyone can be effective in a different way. Um, what I what I now see my role is, is is to shine a light through the thing that is most important to me, which is my my creation. A week before the grand jury decision, Ali Waddell dropped a video that details everything that was going on in the city over the last few months. Yeah, I said last six months, man, they've been straight crazy. Tear gas had the whole city skyline hazy. Justice delayed, moving slow was the answer. They say maybe standing with Miss Palmer till it's justice for her baby. Head been hot like a sauna witnessing this drama. 
For this moment, Fixit feels like he has found his lane and is truly walking in his purpose. I'm a young black man with a voice and I'm fed up. I am a young black man with ambitions and goals. I'm a young black man with no record. I'm a young black man with a pretty decent credit score and I'm a young black father. I'm a young black man who will get on his front line and protect my people. I'm a young black man who wanna see the world change. I'm a young black man who does not want revenge. We all have a purpose on this earth as human beings and we all have a calling and God put us on this, he, he gave us a job before he let us get on this earth, man. And I feel like, I feel like I'm doing that duty. And that's me, I am Fixit. Even though Fixit knew that the odds were stacked against him, it quickly became clear to me that he had figured something out. He figured out how to use his fire, passion, intellect, and raw energy to inspire and lead others in a peaceful fight for justice and change. He, his brother, and 27-year-old Millie Martin are part of a group that is providing leadership and crowd control for protest marches. They are also active in the California Park neighborhood in West Louisville. BUT Strong is actually working in um, the California Park neighborhood here in Louisville. Mm -hmm. And we have peacekeepers, our own, like, their kids, boys from 19 to 24. They actually get in the neighborhood and walk the streets mm -hmm. to make sure that our people are safe. We have had to run off um, pretty much loiterers because we have prostitution in this area. Mm -hmm. uh, but we actually get out there in the community and make that change that everybody talks about. What Martin and Fixit and their group are doing in taking up the mantle for securing and taking responsibility for the front line of protest marches, in many ways, is a thankless job, the success of which is not really quantifiable. We don't know how many lives may have been saved because of their efforts, or how many people were kept out of harm's way, or how much property damage and destruction the city was spared. But regardless, Fixit isn't interested in credit. He is committed to being part of the solution. Young black men are not the problem. Black men are not the problem. Black women are not, black people are not the problem. It's the injustice that's the problem. And every time we go out there on that front line and we risk it all for everybody out there to fight for what we believe in, we show that. Mm -hmm. We show that. Mm -hmm. We are not out there for revenge. We're not. Right. I can't speak for rioters and looters, but we, we did not lead a peaceful protest a peaceful movement for five months and they didn't give us no justice and you still got the same ones out there trying to keep the peace because we don't want nobody hurt. The world expected us to set this bitch up. Mm. They brought federal agents out here. I ain't seen LMPD all week. I seen them doing traffic. Mm. We, got, we got them doing traffic patrol. LMPD's doing traffic patrol and the feds is out here on alert and we have done nothing wrong. Keeping people safe is a priority for Fixin and Martin. However, sometimes they feel as if they are fighting an uphill battle with all of the attention that has come to Louisville from the outside. We have people that are coming into our city to do one thing, or two probably, 
destroy and burn up. Mm-hmm. They're going to break windows and they're going to try to burn the city down. That is what they come for. So you have to understand that we have an account, like we have to be accountable for getting people in order and which way we're going to go. That's the most important aspect. BUT Strong is doing their best to keep a lid on things for the protest by putting in place rules and procedures as best they can with the frontline protesters to keep people literally and figuratively marching in the same direction in lockstep. Unfortunately, this is easier said than done. There's procedures in this and you can't just be nonchalant. You can't, you can't just, this ain't a riot. Y'all want a riot? Yeah, I'm a riot. That's not what this is. That's not what this is. A riot doesn't have a goddamn leader. A riot doesn't have an organizer. You know what I'm saying? A, a riot doesn't have security. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A riot is a riot. We are protesting in Louisville, Kentucky. Fix It wants to see us all come to an end game strategy. We're in a world right now that is going to either be completely separated or completely integrated and it's not black and white no more because white people are choosing their side now white people are choosing the side now and we have got to get to the end game i don't want to see no more people hurt i don't i don't want to keep seeing this ali waddell found an end game strategy in the strength of the legacy of his cousin Muhammad Ali. Ali, Ali, rumble in the jungle. A mighty, mighty brother. Rumble, young man, rumble. We brought the world together. Rumble in the jungle. You showed us the way. Rumble, young man, rumble. He said all there was to I'll say one thing, he's in my mind every single day because he is, I consider him the, a model of the type of human being I want to be. More than human being, a black, a black man from Louisville, from the West End of Louisville. And when I, when I think about going back to when I started, I think about what's going on particularly with black men in Louisville. I'm coming up in Louisville, a young black man trying to find my way. That man showed me how to be how to stand up for what you believe in, how to love yourself, how to know yourself, um, and gave me principles. While he leans heavily on his cousin's legacy, Ali Waddell feels as if his hometown might miss out on one important aspect of it. Louisville and Kentucky love to use Ali's name and his fame, but doesn't like to shine glory on his purpose Purpose, and his heart and conviction for Black people which is what I'm tied to. So what I'm, I, that's wrong, for, that's wrong. And I think Ali would be, not, not think, I know, he'd be very, he'd feel, um, he'd be very much not happy with the way people are willing to use his name, but not use it for justice. Not understanding that Breonna Taylor could have been Ali's daughter or his niece. Right. There's no, He's not over here. It's his community. This is his people. Fix It is all about finding common ground and walking together no matter who you are. It might come as a shock to many, 
to know that Fixit is a member of the street gang the Crips and his brother Yola is a member of the rival gang the Bloods. But for Fixit and others in their group, when they are at Jefferson Square Park, where the protesters gather, there is no affiliation. It's just one big family. I always knew I was going to be a blood because I like the color red. Mm -hmm. It was just my color. Yeah, his, his color's blue. He always liked blue. Mm -hmm. I, he swung down by the water. You feel me? I was across the tracks with it. But we never looked at it no different. It's my brother at the end of the day. Yeah. No color flag or set you throw up can make me change on my brother. Because yeah. at the end of the day, blood's thicker than water. Nate Snoop Romero is a 20-year-old Louisville native. He is friends with Yola. He believes that in order for the unity beyond affiliation that is happening with Yola and Fixit and others inside the movement to spread beyond the protest, individuals are going to have to deal with their egos and their pride. People that's here, you know, they really, it really means a lot to them. And some people just, you know what I'm saying, either they're not big enough to see the big, they're not big enough at, on the inside of them either man or woman to see the bigger picture and see the ultimate goal that we're trying to achieve here. And they can't put that to the side. Some people, you know what I'm saying, the cameras get out. They don't want their homie to see that they out here with somebody from the other side of town. Now they all up in the hood running back saying whoop-de-whoop ain't on nothing. And they don't want that on their conscience. You know what I'm saying? So it's a lot of, it really boils down to pride. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And that if we could humble ourselves and realize that it's an ultimate goal that we're trying to achieve here and it's bigger than blush, crips, you know what I'm saying, all of that, then that's when we'll really move forward. And that's just my, yeah. my opinion on the topic. Okay. Millie has hope that the unity that is shared at Jefferson Square Park can be spread in the neighborhoods of the West End of Louisville. I just hope that we can take the same energy that we put here and put it into the West End of Louisville. Yeah, um, okay. If all 60 of us can get to the West End of Louisville and have this same like type, I, I just feel like if we keep this same energy going and we're holding people accountable and we're taking okay. care, we're stomping the ground and we're saying who streets are streets, but we really do the who streets are streets in the West End of Louisville. Um, I think West Louisville will rise up. Right. Fixit feels that it is time to capitalize on the fact that there is so much attention on Louisville. He wants to put some focus on two other things that are plaguing the city, gun violence and the homicide rate, especially black-on-black -black homicide. The number of homicides in Louisville just surpassed the all-time record from 2016 of 117. As of mid-September, there were 121 homicides in the city. Like I said, a lot of us young brothers are intelligent. You know, we bold, audacious, we're strong. You know, we're, we got clean records, good credit scores, you know what I'm saying? But but we already got a label on our back because of the skin color, you know? And, and that really hurts because a lot of us don't, you know, we don't, we don't, as black people, we don't really have that same energy towards white people as they have towards us. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and that's just what it's about. We, we need to... We need to really show the black community across the world the, the the representation that they need. And we need to rebuild the whole black community across the world because we are a dying breed, man. And, and this is our generation. Our generation got to change this shit. I don't know how long you've been, you, you've been in the city recently, but 
I, I ain't never seen so much killing in my city in my oh, life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've been back for eight years. I lived in New York for a number of years, man. man I ain't back. never seen this yeah, much all, killing in my life, good. man. And we've been out here protesting for five months about police brutality. And, and, and when I say, when I say we was out here protesting 120 days and trying to get justice and shit, she's my French, you know. You know, and like I said, we 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 altering the mission, we altering the narrative. We, we you know we gonna keep fighting for justice for Breonna Taylor, but now we also gotta march for something different. We need to go ahead and start stepping for for this gun violence, for this black on black violence. It's, it's about that time we really need to just go ahead and revolutionize this whole situation. The stress and pressure of the protest and the violence is weighing on the protesters. Many of them said that they have seen and have personally experienced symptoms of PTSD. During one of my interviews at the church, a counselor came up to us to let us know that she was available to speak to us or anyone else about stress and could help teach us techniques to deal with it. During my interview with Millie, a man came walking towards Jefferson Square Park, shouting something. Millie stopped mid-sentence and kept a close eye on the man to make sure that he wasn't a threat. I'm sorry, we're paranoid. PTSD is real up here. Um, so, um... After my final interview wrapped up, I was talking to Fixit, Yola, and Snoop in the parking lot of the church. A wind gust blew over a sandwich board in the parking lot, causing a loud noise that sounded like a gunshot. All three of the young men ducked and reached for their weapons. But even in the midst of all the stress, darkness, despair, hopelessness, and unrequited justice, amazingly, everyone still has hope. As, as, as great as it was that we showed the world what 120 plus days of peaceful protesting can look like. And yeah, we didn't get just a Breonna Taylor. We got some police reform, I guess. We got some no-knock warrants removed, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But we showed unification. We showed a bond. We showed how people can come together. And now we could take that same energy and apply it into our communities and just keep it there. And like, like I said, like it just, it, we really need, we, we need to use, we, we, it's about that time. Like it's that time while everybody else in the world is still has their movement. They need to apply it towards community at this point in time. Grab y'all's brothers, grab y'all's nephews, y'all sons, the kids that it, it's that time. We have got to start building for our futures and get that equality at the same time. Ali Waddell hangs his hope on the promise that he made to his late cousin in 2015, the year before his passing. He finally remembers the last time he saw the GOAT in person. Champ, I, I promise I won't let you down. You, you taught me everything that I ever wanted to be as a man, and you put justice first, and I'm going to stand up for justice, and I promise I'm not going to let you down. Also, the last thing I said to him, and I held his hand, I kissed his forehead and he just smi he smiled, he smiled, he smiled. He couldn't say much because of Parkinson's. Right. But that that is the Ali that is living in me. That's the Ali that I carry forth that torch. How happy he was to see me tell him, my little 15-year-old self, and tell his wife over saying how much I look like him. And I'm just looking at him, I'm saying, I promise I'm not going to let you down. The experience of the last six months has taken a toll on the entire city and the nation as a whole. In one way or another, everyone is forever changed. Sean, Fixit, Millie, Snoop, and the youngest of them all, Yola, have all changed, and in the course of that change, have helped to create change.
for others. Is it fair to say that this whole situation has, has changed you into a different trajectory? Honestly, I can say it has, because one, if you knew me personally, you wouldn't even think of me to be on front line, especially protesting. Mm -hmm. You would look at me and see a flag mm -hmm. and probably picture me as a another brother dead somewhere because he was a gangbanger or a drug dealer. Mm -hmm. It's changed me all the way around. It like opened my ass for real. I ain't, I ain't lost faith. I'm just lost right now. I don't want world peace at this point because that's not enough. It's not cutting it at this point. What I want is to be free. You've been listening to Word Around the Campfire, audio stories from educated guesses. I'm Andre Kimo Stone Guess. The music from this episode was from Christian McBride's The Movement Revisited and Wynton Marsalis's The Ever Funky Lowdown. Check them out at christianmcbride.com and wintonmarsalis.org. You can also hear them on all the streaming platforms. Thank you to both of them and thank you to Mac Avenue Records and Blue Engine Records for allowing me to use the songs on the podcast. I also want to give a special shout out to my cousin, Kendrick Walters, and his organization, Hit'em, History in the Making. He was very instrumental in setting up interviews for me for this podcast. Thanks, cuz. Couldn't have done it without you. You can find this and other content, as well as other podcasts, at educated-guesses.com. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Go to our website, join our mailing list, and if you're so inclined, subscribe for some premium content. Thank you again for joining us.